Thank the good Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, for who he is and what he has done for us. Good morning. That is why we gather this morning to worship him. And for those that are with us new this morning, welcome. What a pleasure to have you this morning. We want you to see this is what we do. Also, if you're new, we welcome you to come back to our Connection Corner so you can learn more about who we are, get a gift from us. We can learn more about you. But we just really want you to walk away, all of us, once again, to be refreshed in knowing the truth of God and what he has accomplished in our life, primarily his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, a verse to, to meditate on this morning as we begin to worship together. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Boasting is a very unattractive, unbiblical thing to do with one exception, and that's that verse we just read. If you want to hear me boast or brag about something, I'm going to boast about my Savior. And the believer who talks about Jesus Christ with love in their life just beams, and you just... It's so wonderful, so attractive to hear him or her saying about how their sins are forgiven and about what Jesus has done. And look at him. He, he's awesome. He's incredible. He's perfect. He's holy in every way. And yet he still came and died for little old me. I can't believe it. I just want to tell you about him. That's boasting in the right way, and that's boasting in ways that uh, the Bible said we ought to do. So let's take a minute and bow and, and ask God to help us as we worship this morning and today and also to boast about him. All our words don't do justice, Lord, to who you are. So we, we go to your word because it's perfect in every way. It is the truth, and it helps us in every way to know you and to rejoice in you and to tell others about how great you are, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. Help us to do so this morning as we put our attention to you in the heavens, you Give us the help in everything we need, the help to get here, the help to leave, the help to do the, the worship that we're doing. And we offer it to you, Lord. Thank you so much for your love. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, let's stand and let's sing the song, Blessed Be Your Name.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's, uh, I'd like to direct your attention to the screen here, and we're going to read through Psalm 150 together, the last psalm of the 150 psalms of the Bible, and one just of pure praise. So let's start together, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The, the meaning of the word is praise the Lord. Let's continue to do that in song here.
morning. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. And Mike already welcomed the visitors and want to do that again. Encourage you to go back to the Connection Corner. But let me just start with uh, a few uh, announcements, some of which you are familiar with. Um, the first one I just want to draw your attention to in your bulletin is the uh, Singles Lunch. And that begins on February 5th. Um, you may have gotten an invitation from Pastor Mike. If you have any more questions about that, you can see him concerning that. But we just want to encourage you to take part of that. If you are uh, a single individual, uh, that will again be on February 5th. Um, this morning, of course, we always encourage you to go to Sunday school. But um, just another good reason to go to Sunday school this morning is our giving. Um, so each uh, month we have a special Sunday school offering. This one is going to go to the seminary in Myanmar. There's more information in your bulletin, just on the first page there of your bulletin. There's a paragraph that just tells you a little bit about that seminary and some of the struggles that they're going through. And uh, we encourage you, of course, to read that. And then this morning's Sunday school offering is going to go to them. So I um, encourage you to read that and give if possible. Um, Next thing I want to draw your attention to is something that's new. It's going to happen on February the 10th. If you have any questions about this, you can either talk to me or my wife. Um, but it is a couple's date night. So if you have young children, um, either six months up to sixth grade, all right, so six months to sixth grade, and you would like some babysitting services uh, so you can just have a, a night out, um, we are going to be here at the church. We are willing to watch. A few others are going to help us. But if you'd like to do that, we'd ask you to sign up in the back on the Connection Corner. Um, if you forget what I've just said, it's on the Connection Corner in the back as well, more information. But that is for young families um, that just can't leave their kids at home but just want to have a night out. Um, I know my wife and I have always appreciated that when someone has watched our kids. So we want to offer that to you and encourage encourage that. It does say in your bulletin from 5 to 7. Um, we are extending that uh, to 7.30. So 5 to 7.30. So now don't leave us until 9 o'clock with your kids. <laughs> we love them, but 5, 5 to 7.30 hopefully gives you enough time. All right. Um, the last announcement is actually going to come from Lori Dunn. So I'm going to invite her to come on up here and and share special announcements uh, for you ladies. Good morning. Um, he said for the ladies, but I want the men to listen too, because you could do this for your wives. Um, the, lady, the Women's Life Women's Conference is coming up in June, June 2nd and 3rd. Um, our group, church has always taken a group. One of our own, Shirley Franklin, is one of the co-founders of this conference. It's not very far away. We usually leave on Thursday night, though, so we don't have to get up early on Friday. And we stay in the dorms. And then Friday and Saturday, there is a keynote speaker. There are breakout sessions, which I had somebody say, what's a breakout session? It's simply a... A, an hour set aside and there's different teachers and you get to choose the topic from the list that's there and go to things that are, interest you. I wouldn't go to one on singles, but there might be one for single women. The younger women may not go to one on grandmothers, whatever. I, don't, I didn't look at the list this year, but there's things you can pick out that are specific to you. On Friday nights, there's usually a concert this year. It is the comedian Anita Renfro. Our keynote speaker is new to me. Her name is Lena, and let me try and get it right, Abu Jama, Jamra, Abu Jamra. But she is a pediatric emergency room doctor, but she is also the founder of Living with Power Ministries, and her whole thing is on living the Christian life with the power that we have in Christ. Um, the early bird has been extended so early bird it is $226 but if you went to a concert you're gonna pay probably close to a hundred or more for a ticket all meals are included we stay in the dorms you do need to bring your own bedding but um, yeah or you can stay in a hotel off campus if you 
There's more information on the connection corner. See me. You can register online if we put down our church in my name. Then we all get housed together. And it's like a retreat where we get to know people. Like if we sit over there and somebody sits over there, but if we go to this conference together, we learn about each other and make new friends, which we do every year, even though we all go to the same church. So hope you all consider it. Think about it. Husbands, take the kids for the weekend. Let's stand together for prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of coming together to worship you this morning. Indeed, we want to give you praise and glory because of who you are, because of what you've done for us, and because of your promises of what you yet will do. We know that you cannot lie. Every prophecy, every promise that you have made will indeed be fulfilled, and we thank you that we can live with that confidence, even during our times of struggle, times of challenges here on this earth, we have that hope in Jesus Christ. Father, we have a lot of activities going on here at the church. We pray that each one of those activities would be to your honor and to your glory, that we would not just be busying ourselves for the sake of ourselves, but that it would be ultimately so that we might reach out to our community, so that we might build each other up, and that we might bring honor and glory to your holy name. We do thank you, Father, for our missionaries this morning. We just ask that you would be with them in a very special way. Encourage them in their ministries. Some, no doubt, are discouraged because things are not uh, moving along as they would desire. And yet, Father, they're, they're doing your will. And all of the, the fruit is in your hands. We can plant and we can water. But the increase comes from you and from you alone. So I pray for the missionaries, encourage them in those ministries in which they're involved. I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray, Father, that you would put a hedge around them, protect them. And I pray that, uh, again, we as a church would be supportive of them in our prayers, in our, in our giving. We do pray, Father, for Leon Kim and his family over in Myanmar. We understand the the coup that has taken place over there and much uh, chaos and confusion and even much death. We pray, Father, that you'd keep uh, Lee and Kim's family uh, safe. We pray, Father, for the seminary. Thank you that that seminary has continued to minister and instruct, preparing those for ministry. Thank you, Father, for the reports from Lee and Kim, that uh, things are, are going well as far as the seminary is concerned, and yet they, they need help. They need encouragement. And I pray that we would have our part even this morning in our Sunday school offering. Again, Father, we rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in the opportunity to worship together. I pray that we would humble ourselves before you and before your word this morning, submitting ourselves to the authority of your word, that we indeed might bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Thank you for blessing us, ladies. Joel as well, thank you so much, and hope that happens again soon. Violin and flute, beautiful, thank you. We're going to sing two more songs before uh, Don comes with a message, and one of them, a number of you know very well, perhaps some of us don't, it's the chorus, His Name is Wonderful. Joan, would you play one verse through, and then we'll join her by singing. It's a good song when you sing through and you find many names of God in it or descriptions, adjectives that tell us about him. And this is one of them. Let's stand and sing together. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Your great name, hungry. 
Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you for your singing. Turn to 1 John chapter 7, or not 1 John, John, the Gospel of John chapter 17. Let me just say thank you for your prayers in my behalf. I appreciate it very much and I want to publicly thank Eddie and Mike for stepping in last week at a moment's notice and taking care of the services last week. I don't want to draw attention to myself, but I also don't want to answer the same question 200 times. So let me just tell you where I'm at. I have been struggling with a back issue for the last year, year and a half. Not anything severe, but just pain. Seemed like I was getting better. The last few weeks had been pretty good. Thought we had turned a corner. That was on my right side. All of a sudden, and it went like from zero to 10 in a day or two, started on my left side. Last Saturday, it was, well, let me say it this way. I, you know, a few years ago, Mike and Lloyd and I were in an accident, and I broke eight ribs and broke my collarbone and broke my shoulder blade, and the pain last Saturday rivaled that pain. Um, they wanted me to go to the emergency room, and being a stubborn guy like I am, I refused. But when I stood up and almost passed out because of the pain, I guess I didn't argue anymore. Basically, where we're at now, I had an MRI done. You read the results of the MRI, and it's all in Latin. I have no idea what's going on. But uh, I do know that I have been referred to a neurosurgeon to uh, evaluate and to see where we go from here. I'm on some pain medicine, so I may put myself to sleep this morning. I'm not sure. <laughs> but thank you again for your prayers. I appreciate it. And again, I, I don't want to draw attention to myself. We're just going to move forward by God's grace, and we're going to just see what He has for us. A couple of weeks ago, when I was here, we looked at John chapters 13 through 17 and just some of the the words of encouragement and the words of comfort that, God, uh, that Christ had given to the disciples. He had told them that he was going to go away and they couldn't come with him. They didn't understand that. They were confused. You know, is, was this not the Messiah who's supposed to establish his kingdom and throw off the Roman oppressors? And so they were confused. They, they didn't understand. And from some of the things that he was saying, they, they kind of concluded that, that they were going to be abandoned by Christ they were going to be attacked by Satan, and they were going to be alienated by the world. That left them with sorrowful hearts, with fearful hearts, with troubled hearts. And so in that context, Christ then gives them words of comfort, words of encouragement. And he, he does say to them that, yes, there's going to be struggles, but you'll have from the Holy Spirit the same support that you've had from me while I have been with you physically. And not only that, he said, but I may be leaving, but my joy will remain with you. And then he also said that uh, you can be secure in me. You will not be plucked out of my hand. You'll be secure in me and you can have confidence and courage as you move forward without my physical presence. In that context, we also have John chapter 17 often referred to as Christ's high priestly prayer. And in that high priestly prayer, and we kind of touched on this as we concluded there two weeks ago, I want to expand on it now, but in that prayer, Christ mentions the relationship that we as believers have with the world. He says, we've been called out of the world, but we're still in the world. We've not been taken out of the world, but rather... We are not of the world, but we have been sent into the world. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? We're going to look at that this morning, those five thoughts. We are indeed called out of the world, and yet we're still in the world. We've not been taken out of this world, but we have been sent into the world, and we're not to be of that world. Let's bow in prayer. Father, again, we are grateful for your love and your care for us. 
as we look at this relationship that believers have with the world, I pray, Father, that we would certainly apply it to our lives, that we'd recognize how you desire us to live holy before you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. John chapter 17 and verse 6, we read, I have manifested your name unto the men whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. First of all, he says, I've manifested your name, Christ praying to the Father. I've manifested your name. What does that mean? He's made known God's name. Well, does that simply, you know, if, if, if you were to ask me, you know, make known your name, I would say, my name's Don. Is that all Christ did? You know, God's name is Jehovah. God's name is Yahweh. Now, it's much more than just that. When he says he's manifested God's name, he's talking about he has made known all that God is, all that he has done, his character, his attributes. He's made God known. He simply says he's made his name known because the name of God encompasses who he is, what he's like, and what he's done. And so he's manifested that. He's made that known. Christ made God the Father known to those whom the Father had given him out of the world. Now what's that mean? Out of the world. We've been given by the Father to the Son out of the world. Obviously, He's talking here to the disciples, specifically. But over in verse 20, we realize that this prayer does not apply just to the disciples. Verse 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also who shall believe on me through their word. That's you and me. He's praying this prayer for us. We have been called out of the world and given to the Son by the Father. The word ecclesia, translated church in the Bible, is a word that means called out. The church are called out ones. We've been called out of the world. And yet, over in verse 15, he says, I pray not that you should take them out of the world. Well, which is it? We've been called out of the world, but then he says, I pray that you not be taken out of the world. Seems confusing. Seems contradictory. We need to understand that verse 15, we'll get to that in a few moments, but when he says, I pray that you not take them out of the world, he's talking physically. I don't want you to take them out physically from this world. In verse 6, when he says, we've been called out of this world, that's spiritual. Spiritually, we have been called out of this world. In other words, that world that is influenced by Satan, that 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 world of sin, that world of immorality, that world of unrighteousness, that world of uncleanness. That's the world that we've been called out of spiritually, not physically, we're still here, but spiritually been called out of that world, that world of sin, that, that world that is influenced by Satan. He's the prince and power of the air. In fact, he's at other times referred to as the prince of this world. That Satan, that Satan who, who is in control of this world, in, in, in the influence of this world. God ultimately has control, but he's allowed Satan to influence this world. That's the world that we are called out of. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we read, What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We as believers have been called out of this world of unrighteousness, this, this world of uncleanness, this world that, that he speaks here of uh, darkness. That's the world we're called out of. We've not been taken out of the world physically, but spiritually we have been called out of this world. Spiritually we are to be separated from the sinfulness, lust, unrighteousness, darkness, and uncleanness of the world which is influenced by Satan. Notice what he says then in that verse 6. He's, he's manifested his name. He's, he's made known who God is, what he's like, his attributes, his character. As he's made him known, he says, 
in the last part of verse 6, they have kept your word. We've been called out of the world. We have God's name manifested, made known to us who He is. One of the things that He is is holy. And so we need to understand that being called out of this world, we have to be like Him, holy as He is holy. We need to be called out of this world and live according to His Word. This world is not living according to His Word. We've been called out so that we might live according to His Word, live according to how He has been made known to us. And we need to be like Him. That's called out of this world. When we really know God as Christ has made Him known, we will want to keep His Word. We've been called out of this world. Down in verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Christ once again says, I'm leaving this world. Again, remember, this prayer was prayed just probably an hour or two before he was arrested, betrayed by Judas, and the next morning he was nailed to the cross. And so he says here in verse 11, I am no more in the world. He was leaving. He was not going to physically be in this world. But he says, these, the disciples, and verse 20, he's referring to all of us as believers, we are in the world. We are in this world. Even though Christ is leaving, we are being left here. Physically, we're still here. Spiritually, we've been called out of this world. And so as he recognizes that that he's leaving and we're going to be staying, he prays for us. Isn't that a great thought? The Son of God is praying for us. And what's his prayer? That we would be kept through his name. Or kept in his name would be a better translation. That we'd be kept in his name. As we are kept in his name, the idea of to keep is to guard and protect I think this is one of the greatest verses on the, the doctrine of eternal security. Because Christ himself is asking the Father to keep me in his name. I'm a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I become a child of God. I'm in his name. And Christ now is praying that I be kept in his name by the Father himself. And the Father do you really think he's not going to answer that prayer? He's going to answer the prayer of the Son. And his Son prayed for you and prayed for me that we'd be kept, guarded, protected in his name. We cannot lose that relationship that we have with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We become a child of God. We're in his name. And we will be kept there. Not by our own strength, not by our own power, but by the power of God himself. Christ prayed this prayer because he recognized that in our own strength, in our own power, there was no way we were going to keep ourselves in the name of God. So he asked the Father to keep us. He says that while I was here, in verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. While he was here physically, he kept us. But now he's not going to be here anymore. So he's asking the Father to keep us. Christ once again states that he would no longer be physically in the world. Because of this reality, he prays for us who will be physically in this world. Notice over in verse 15, not only does he pray that we'd be kept in the Father's name, but in verse 15 he says, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil or from the evil one. So here he's praying that we'd be kept, guarded, protected, same word, that we'd be guarded and protected from Satan. From the evil one. And so we have kind of this, this double protection from the Father. He's going to keep me in his sphere, and he's going to keep me from Satan's sphere. What a, what a blessing. That's what I call eternal security. I'll not be lost. I'll not be plucked out of his hand. He's going to keep me in his name, 
in the sphere, in the sphere of his name, and he's going to make sure that I don't fall into the sphere of Satan. That's the prayer that Christ has for us because he knows he's leaving, but we're still in the world. Specifically, Christ prays that the Father would keep, guard, protect us in his name and from the evil one. We are too weak to keep ourselves, but God will keep us in his sphere and from Satan's sphere. That's the prayer of Christ. The Father has indeed answered that prayer and will continue to answer that prayer. As he says in verse 11, praying that we'd be kept in his name, notice how he begins. He says, I come to you, Holy Father. Holy Father. Now, this is the only time recorded in Scripture where the Son addresses the Father as Holy Father. What's the significance of that here in this context? I think the significance of that is that uh, we are to be holy as He is holy. As we are in this world, we have been called out of it spiritually, but we're still in it. But in this world that is completely unholy, we can be holy as God keeps us in His name and out of Satan's sphere. We can be holy. We can live a life of righteousness. We can live a life that is pleasing to Him. Sometimes I think we, we just realize, well, I'm in the world, and the world is sinful all around me, and, and there's just no way that in this sinful, corrupt world that I'm ever going to really be able to live for God. Just not possible. Many Christians just kind of throw up their hands and give up. Christ is telling us here, it is possible. Yes, you're in the world, and it is full of corruption and sin, but you have the Father holding you in, your hand, in His hand, and He's not going to let you go. And you can live a holy life just as the Holy Father is. Be holy, for I am holy. Then we come to verses 14. To verse 14, he says, I've given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We're not of the world. We've been called out of the world, we're still in the world, but we're not of the world. Just as Christ was not of the world. What, what does that mean? Notice, first of all, the connection, verse 14, between God's word and the hatred of the world. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. The world hates the word of God. The world hates the Word of God because the Word of God speaks truth. And people don't like truth. Not when it's about their sinfulness. The Word of God says that we're sinners. Man doesn't like to hear that. The Word of God says that we can't save ourselves. Man doesn't want to hear that. The Word of God says that, we, it's, that, that we're saved by grace through faith. The world does not want to hear that. The Bible tells us how we ought to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God. Man doesn't want to hear that. They want to live their life how they want to live their life. That's the world that we are not of. We're not of that world. We do love the Word of God. We do submit ourselves to the Word of God. And as we submit ourselves to the Word of God and, and we say that the Word of God is authoritative because the world hates the Word, it's going to hate us too. Christ didn't try to sugarcoat it. He's told them all, throughout these chapters that we've been looking at that it's going to be times of, of difficulties, times that are going to be challenging because you're not of the world and the world's going to hate you because you submit yourself to the Word of God and they hate the Word of God. You're not of this world. Verse 16 says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Repeats that thought again. We're not of this world. Man does not like to hear that we can't save ourselves. In fact, the, the humanist manifesto, that's, the, that's what the humanists say about themselves. But the humanist manifesto states this, No God will save us. We must save ourselves. That's what man wants to hear. They don't want to hear what God's Word says. 
Christ makes a connection between the Word of God and the hatred of the world. And since the world hates God's Word, it will also hate those who submit to God's Word as authoritative. As we think of that thought of we're not of the world, we certainly need to recognize that, that this is not our home. We are citizens of heaven. As believers who have trusted Christ as our Savior, our home is in heaven. That's our citizenship. We're not of this world. This isn't home anymore. And as we recognize that this is not home anymore, it's going to affect how we live our daily lives. I'm not going to make this world my priority when it's not my home. My priority is going to be heaven because that's my home. That's where my citizenship is. So I need to live with eternal values in view, not with temporal values. I'm not of this world. I don't belong here anymore in that sense because I'm a citizen of heaven. So we're not of this world. This world is not our home. We are citizens of heaven and live our lives for eternal things and not temporal things. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, we read, The world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Mike read that passage earlier this morning. I'm crucified unto Christ, I'm, I'm crucified unto the world, and the world is crucified unto me. What does that mean? I'm crucified to the world, and the world's crucified to me. I believe what the thought is, is, is uh, um, the world to, is to be a dead thing to me. And I am to be a dead thing to the world. Unmoved and unaffected by it. That should be our goal. Unfortunately, we fail in that goal. We allow the world to have priority in our lives. We allow that world to, to come alive in our lives instead of crucifying the world. But the thought is that we are to be a dead thing to the world. The world's to be a dead thing to me. I'm to be unmoved and unaffected by it because I'm not of this world. My citizenship is in heaven. I am to be a dead thing to the world and the world is to be a dead thing to me, unmoved and unaffected by it. Come to verse 15. We've already touched on it a little bit. I pray not that you should take them out of the world that you should keep them from the evil one. Not taken out of this world. We're called out of this world spiritually, but now he's talking physically. He says, I'm not asking that you take them out of this world physically. You know, as I thought about that, I, it seems like that would be the way to go. Just the minute you trust Christ as your Savior, boom, you're gone. You're in heaven. I mean, that's our citizenship. That's where our home is. And, and the world's going to hate us. In fact, Christ has already told the disciples that, that the world is going to persecute you. They're going to hate you. In fact, they may even kill you. Well, if the world's going to hate me anyway, and this isn't my home, my home is in heaven, then why not just take me there the minute I trust Christ as my Savior? Seems logical to me. The fact that Christ prayed this prayer kind of, Why? <laughs> I'd rather just go. Why not take me out of this world? If we're not of the world, but heaven is our home and the world hates us, why not be immediately taken physically out of this world? You know the answer to that. The answer to that question is simply, if He takes us out of this world, the minute we trust Christ as our Savior, where will the salt and light be? We are in this world physically, and we're not taken out of this world physically. We're only taken out of this world spiritually, but we're still here. And as we are not taken out of this world, we are to be the salt and light of the world. As salt, we are to preserve against the corruption that's all around us. As light, we are to dispel darkness. As salt, we can, we can be part of the healing process. Salt uh, tends to heal as salt, we can be part of the healing process of the corruption in this world. As light, we can point the way to the Father. We are to be salt and light. If we're taken out of this world physically, the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, there will be no salt, there will be no light. And He's left us here so that we can be salt and light to the world. God has not taken us out of the world so that we can be salt 
and light. And then we come to that last thought in verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Christ says to the Father, you've sent me into the world. Now, in the same way, I'm sending them into the world. The word send here is the, uh, it's the word apostello from, w- from which we get our word apostle. But it's a word that means to, to send, but it's, it's a word that emphasizes the task to which one is sent. And it emphasizes that you are under the authority of the one who has sent you. That's this word apostello, apostle. So the idea is that God the Father sent the Son to this world for a specific task. And He came with the authority of the Father. Now the task that Christ was sent to do was to seek and to save those who were lost. And in like manner, Christ now says, I'm sending them into the world. As He sends us into the world, there's a specific task we're supposed to do. And we are to do it under His authority. And He came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that's what we are to do as we are sent into the world, to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ came to seek and to save the lost by dying on the cross for our sins. We seek to save the lost by telling them that truth, that Christ came to die for their sins. We've been sent into the world. Christ was sent by the Father in submission to Him to seek and to save those who were lost. We likewise have been sent by Christ in submission to Him to seek and to save those who are lost. Notice verse 17. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. This verse that says we are sent into the world is is surrounded by this word sanctify. Verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 19, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified. What's this sanctification all about? The word sanctify means basically to, to set apart. I know many of you know this, but it's the idea of being set apart from sin unto God. At the time of our salvation, we were sanctified in that sense. We were set apart from the penalty of sin, and we've been set apart unto God. We become His child. But then this thought of sanctification doesn't end just with our salvation. It's an ongoing process in our lives as we more and more are sanctified. More and more we are set apart from sin and set apart more and more unto God as we surrender our lives to Him day by day. That's the sanctification. And as we are going into this world, we need to make sure that we are indeed being sanctified, that we are growing away from sin and toward God so that others can see in our lives a difference that we're not of this world that we have been called out of this world. They need to see a difference as we are sanctified. Interesting thought there when he says, I sanctify myself. You know, Christ was sinless. How, why, why does he need to be sanctified? I think the thought is simply that he was indeed set apart from sin. That, that was, that's, his, by, by, uh, uh, his, that's his attribute. He, he can't sin. So he is sinless, he's set apart from sin, but he's also set apart to the Father in the sense of carrying out the task which God sent him to do. He submitted himself to the Father. You know, it's God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they are co-equal and co-eternal. And yet the Son humbled himself before the Father. In humbling himself before the Father, he was setting himself apart to do the task that the Father desired him to do, to seek and to save that which was lost. And likewise, we are to be sanctified, set apart more and more from sin, and set apart unto the Father to do the task that we are called to do, to seek and to save that which was lost. 
as Christ was sanctified, we must be sanctified. So spiritually, we've been called out of this world and its sin and lust. We are not of this world. Heaven is our home. Physically, we are still in the world. We've, been not, we've not been taken out of the world so that we can be salt and light. We have been sent into the world in submission to Christ to seek and to save that which was lost. I have one remaining question for you this morning. Is this a good description of your life? As others would look at your life, would they recognize one who's been called out of this world and its sinfulness? Would they look at one who is in this world but not of this world? We have different priorities. As others look at your life, would they recognize that you've not been taken out of the world because you're salt and light? When others look at your life, would they recognize one who, who really believes that he has a task to do for God? To seek and to save that which is lost. Do others even know that? Do we ever open our mouth to tell them that? Is this a description of your life this morning? What is your relationship with the world? Let's bow in prayer. Father, we're so grateful this morning for this high priestly prayer of Christ. Just the thought that he was not simply praying for the disciples, but praying for all who would believe, that's including us. I pray, Father, that this relationship with the world that Christ has desired for us would truly be in our lives as we live day by day. We thank you for the example of Christ who humbled himself to do the task that you, Father, sent him to do. May we humble ourselves before Christ and do the task which he has sent us into the world to do. May others recognize we are different simply because we are living by the truths of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. help you or encourage you in any way, please seek us out. We certainly are here to help you in your sanctification as we grow together. Shall we stand? Guide us, Father, now as we go into our Sunday school hour. May it be a, a great time of study in your word, a great time of fellowship. We thank you again for the time together here this morning in this service. May we continue to examine our hearts and our lives as it relates to this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. May God bless you.